new anti-racism legislation. So this gives us the chance, the possibility to fix the inequities. How the new rules change the game for racialized communities. Suspected serial assaulter. She just pushed me like with both of her hands. Questions about how to handle a woman who allegedly keeps doing terrible things. And perks for employees. Their staff, their goals. The generous incentives some businesses offer with workers in high demand. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. A warrant has been issued for a woman charged in an incident Global News first told you about in March. It stems from an alleged attack at Metropolis in Metrotown. And as John Waugh tells us, this is not her first brush with the law. Ms. Song, can I ask you what happened in court today? For months, Hyun Song has been in and out of Vancouver Provincial Court, facing a charge of assault causing bodily harm, connected to this April 2020 incident involving a senior near the Metrotown Skytrain station. Is there anything you want to say? Global News caught up with the 32-year-old on March 25th, where she denied any wrongdoing. The criminal case against her was delayed once again. You're harassing me and my lawyer is not feeling well today. But at the same time, Burnaby RCMP were investigating whether Song was involved in another alleged assault in Metropolis at Metrotown on March 14th. That's when Zania Marshall alleges a woman fitting Song's description came up and shoved her for no reason. She just pushed me, like, with both of her hands. She just, like, pushed me full force. You want to turn around for a sec? Now Burnaby RCMP say Song has been charged with one count of assault for the March 14th incident. A BC-wide warrant has been issued for her arrest. The police always making it clear they were investigating this as a random assault by a possible repeat offender. That's what's most concerning and, and troubling about this, uh, this type of crime, is that there's, uh, there's no real reasoning to it. It doesn't end there. Global News has learned Metro Vancouver Transit Police have also forwarded charges of assault for two more separate incidents pending Crown approval, including allegedly pushing someone on a SkyTrain platform on February 6th and allegedly throwing coffee at another passenger on December 23rd last year. We weren't in her way. We weren't um, even really close to her for it to have been a bump. Marshall told Global News she still worries about how our justice system is working. None of these allegations against Hyun Song have been proven in court. John Hua, Global News. A very busy weekend and a violent weekend in Vancouver police. In Vancouver, police investigating a number of crimes, including an incident that led to the arrest of a 15-year-old boy. Aaron MacArthur is live with more on the charges the teen is facing and the shocking number of, again, seemingly random and unprovoked attacks. Aaron. Yeah, that's right, Chris. I mean, Vancouver's averaging about four random assaults per day for the first four months of the year. And as you say, it continued this weekend. A 15-year-old boy now faces three counts of assault after an alleged incident Saturday night. A man in his 50s called 911 saying he was chased and then allegedly kicked and punched several times by a suspect. When police arrived, they found two more victims along the seawall here near Olympic Village. Both women, both had similar stories to tell. A further search of the seawall found uh, the suspect that matched the description of all three victims. And that 15-year-old boy, a 15-year-old boy has now been charged with three counts of assault. Now, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There were assaults, random assaults, all weekend long. A woman uh, near here was assaulted with a 
broken bottle and robbed of her belongings. Another woman had a rock hurled at her on Drake Street. It missed her, smashing a car window next to her. There were stabbings in Strathcona. A busy weekend for Vancouver police officers. That's the biggest takeaway here. You see something, uh, whether it's a crime in progress, uh, somebody who needs help, call 911 so that we can respond. Because when we can send officers to the area, we can apprehend offenders, we can collect important evidence. Aaron, VPD also had an update on that bomb scare that delayed the start of the BMO Marathon on Sunday. What did they say? Yeah, so it, it, VPD looking actively looking for a suspect in this uh, bomb scare. It, it appears somebody deliberately placed an object near Science World, where we're here now, near the near where the marathon course was, and the object very much looked like an explosive device. So VPD had to treat it with extreme caution. It was rendered inert. Uh, it was harmless in the end, but nobody knew that at the time. Now VPD looking for cell phone video, looking for any information to help track down a suspect. All right, hopefully someone steps forward with more information. Aaron, thanks very much. Victoria police are looking for two men who may have witnessed an arson at the home of a religious leader last month. Police have released these CCTV images of the men who aren't considered suspects, according to police, but may have information about the arson. Shortly after 1 a.m. on April 20th, officers responded to a house fire on Caledonia Avenue right next to the Ukrainian Catholic Church. Both potential witnesses were in that area around the time the fire took place. We have seen a tremendous response from our community in response to this investigation. We have seen uh, people reach out to us with dash cam, people reach out to us with home surveillance footage. We've seen a lot of people trying to help and we're hoping that this is no different. The priest of the Ukrainian Catholic Church lives in the home with his family and says his wife woke up to someone pouring gasoline through the mail slot before it went up in flames. The family was able to escape, but his eldest daughter was injured and required surgery. Anyone with information is asked to contact Victoria Police. B.C. has announced legislation to dismantle systemic racism and discrimination faced by Indigenous, Black and other racialized British Columbians. The Anti-Racism Data Act will help identify gaps in government programs and services to better understand where supports are needed. Richard Zussman has more on this first-of-its-kind legislation. The first step in tackling a monumental problem. We need to build confidence in racialized communities that this is real. The province introducing legislation Monday, giving the government agencies the legal right to ask about race, ethnicity, gender, faith, sexuality, ability and income. The data will be used to better understand how systemic racism harms the way people access health care, education, policing, housing and government policy. That promise... Uh, has been far too long in coming. For, because for far too long, communities have not received equitable uh, access treatment. The information will first be collected through a province-wide census in November. And although the legislation is expected to help understand systemic racism within policing, police will not be required to collect race-based data. Uh, we want to focus on our core government programs first. And then, obviously, the, the scope is immense, uh, moving on to the broader public services, and policing is one of the key areas that is emerging. 
The legislation is based on one of the largest public consultations in the province's history, and success will be based on restoring confidence in racialized communities. In order to build trust in the data, it will be imperative to adhere to the principles of accountability and transparency and include oversight. For example, an independent report in plain sight found systemic racism in the province's healthcare system. The author of the report will be watching very closely how this data is used once collected. This legislation is responsive to a number of circumstances, but there's a lot of work to be done to implement it yet. The province putting into legislation that no one should be denied service if they do not want to provide the demographic data. And someone will not be asked for race or ethnicity when dealing with a police officer, social worker or nurse. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Students at Dr. Charles Best Secondary raising awareness this week for missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls and two-spirit people. Students hang red dresses from trees along Como Lake Avenue in Coquitlam over the noon hour. Each one has a card with the name and the story of a missing or murdered woman. It's a project for National Red Dress Day on Thursday, a day to remember missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls and to stand in solidarity with their families and loved ones. Red is known to be the only color spirits can see, so we hope that we can call them back and they can lay to rest peacefully. By seeing the dresses and kind of getting more informed, I'm hoping that other people will want to take action as well. And I did see the dresses last year and that inspired me to start taking action. It's very scary to know that women are being taken off the streets and, being, and go missing and we don't know what's going on. Events are planned across the country. More than a thousand Indigenous women and girls have gone missing or been murdered in just the past 30 years. Passengers find unexpected travel trouble at YVR. We come to the airport on time as requested and then we line up for a zillion miles. Why? Because somebody can't hire somebody? Why Vancouver isn't the only airport where customers are stuck in long lines. Next giving workers what they want and a little bit more. How one local business is using perks to lure new employees coming up. And Bruce, there it is, the end of the season. What the Canucks coach says about his future with the franchise coming up in sports. Right now, though, if you are planning a flight from YVR, get to the airport early. Again today, security lines stretch through the terminal as the National Passenger Screening Agency doesn't have nearly enough staff to keep up with the number of people who want to get away. As Kristen Robinson shows us, there is no quick solution in sight. Travelers at Vancouver International Airport continue to meet lengthy lines, even if they arrive at least three hours before their scheduled flights. This is insane. We come to the airport on time as requested, and then we line up for a zillion miles. Knew it was going to be bad, so we didn't think it would be this crazy. <laughs> so hopefully we make our flight on time. YVR doing its best to move people through to security, where the Canadian Air Transport Security Authority is short-staffed. Hello, bunch of folks. Have you just running the security line? Our primary issue is staffing. The, the equipment is there, the lanes are there, but they are not all being operated. As domestic and international travel picks up amid pandemic restrictions, CATSA says its screening contractors are not immune to recruitment and retention challenges in the broader commercial aviation industry. 
They've had some time to organize it better, but they don't seem to be up to speed on it. Katz's own annual reports provide a clearer picture of the staffing crisis. In 2019, the authority had more than 8,000 active screening personnel. That number dropped to 7,300 in 2020, including active recruits. Last year, CATSA had just over 5,700, an almost 31% decrease since 2019. The obligation now that we see for CATSA management is provide a plan on how they will address the staffing shortfall. YVR not alone in the chaos. No stopping. No stopping. Stretching across the country. Travelers at Toronto's Pearson Airport facing the same delays. I'm from a town of 5,000. This is like one-fifth of my population in this lineup right now. I don't know when we're going to get it together here, but it would be great if they would. At this point in time, I'm not sure where the tail end is. Getting security clearance for new CATSA recruits can take months, so scenes like this may persist for some time. Kristen Robinson, Global News. The pandemic has drastically changed the healthcare system in many ways, including how we schedule doctor visits. Keith Baldry joins us now with more on this. Keith, there is definitely a trend emerging, and the numbers are quite staggering. Staggering is a, a good description here, Chris. We all have experience of virtual health, or mo most of us have experience with virtual health care. Uh, we're not going to doctor's offices and anywhere near the numbers. But when you look at the numbers between pre-pandemic and the second year of the pandemic, the differences are huge. So 2018, 2019, 17.9 million people visited the doctor's office. 62,000 people got telehealth. But take a look two years later. Only 7 million people, 7.1 million people went to the doctors in person, a drop of 60%. But look Look at the huge increase in telehealth. 12.4 million people connected with doctors through Zoom or telephones. Health Minister Adrian Dix today saying this is the biggest change he's seen since he became health minister. And it's also a sign of perhaps some changes that will be there for some time. Highest priority for me since becoming Minister of Health has been profoundly affected by COVID-19 because we've gone from essentially an in-person system to a virtual system changing on a dime. And, that, um, and that's presented some real challenges we're facing now. And Dix went on to say again that now that p many people have gotten used to seeing their doctors through virtual uh, meetings or Zoom meetings, perhaps that's the way they will access healthcare care uh, in the future from time to time. You don't have to get in your car. You don't need to find a parking spot. It's much easier than going to a doctor's office. I'll be updating the stats on this, Chris, from uh, through various months to see where the trends are headed, whether we will continue to see people doing telehealth or whether we're going to go back to the old-fashioned in-person visit in our doctor's offices. Certainly seems like a big shift right now, Keith. Thanks for much yep. for that. That's Keith Baldry in Victoria. Coming up, demolition delays. And here we are 10 months later and we still don't have the vast majority of debris cleared. An insurance expert weighs in on the holdup in Lytton with a serious glitch in wildfire recovery. And the biggest cheerleaders of Jeopardy champion, Mattia Roach. What her family says about her incredible streak. Taking a look here at Highway 17, right on the uh, Delta Surrey border, we have an accident. There are crews on scene, but traffic going eastbound is backed up all the way past uh, the Alex Fraser Bridge. We'll have more updates for you as those come in. When renewing your ICBC Auto Plan Insurance online, select your nearest Sussex Insurance when prompted for all online broker benefits, peace of mind, and best rates. Select Sussex Insurance today. In Global One, it's Jeremy Tubbs. 
This May, join me for the BC Cancer Foundation's Workout to Conquer Cancer. Sign up on your own or as a team. And let's move every day this May and help change cancer outcomes. Register today at workouttoconquercancer.ca. The victim of a debit card scam is speaking out tonight to help others protect themselves. RCMP say it involves a fake taxi, a fake driver, even a fake passenger. Ramita Dea has more on how it works and the warning from one victim. Eight victims in just five days, almost $7,000 stolen from Mindy Zimmering, who stepped up to help a man in need. Obviously, I felt ashamed of myself, to be honest. That was my first reaction. I thought, how could I have not noticed what was going on? The man approached Zimmering in the dollar store parking lot off of Bridgeport Road in Richmond on April 26th. He asked Zimmering if she could pay his cab fare by cart because the taxi driver would not accept cash, which he offered her. Zimmering paid the $8.50 fare with her TD Canada Trust debit card. The taxi driver gave her back a fake card. She did not realize there was a switch. Suspicious texts showed up on her phone from the bank. She had no idea they were legit until the bank called the next day. In just minutes, almost seven grand in transactions had occurred at an ATM, Shoppers Drug Mart, and Shell gas station. I've done nothing wrong here. I did not give anybody my PIN number. It's extremely disappointing. Uh, I am the type of person who likes to help people, and uh, I'm sure everybody is, but uh, it is extremely disappointing that this happened. Police say the suspects are using different vehicles. The only consistency is the fake white taxi sign on top. Both men are believed to be in their 20s. The fake cab driver described as South Asian and the fake passenger South Asian or Middle Eastern. This scam has multiple layers that are all targeted at finding unsuspecting victims and drawing them in. Uh, You know, it starts with this plea for help and it ends with the victim unwittingly being defrauded uh, of money out of their bank account because during this whole process, their debit card allegedly and PIN allegedly get stolen. Zimmering is hoping the bank will reimburse her. She's questioning why her debit card wasn't blocked immediately, given the large transactions in mere minutes on a card she rarely uses. The bank is still investigating. Romina Dea, Global News. There is very little progress in the village of Lytton. For many residents, 10 months after a wildfire swept through, killing two people and destroying dozens of homes. Many have yet to even begin to rebuild. Kylie Stanton shows us why recovery is so slow and what residents say about it. Go! This is the moment that now defines the before and after. Oh my God, look at that. June 30th, 2021. The day fire ripped through the village of Lytton, turning the once vibrant community to rubble. Now, more than 10 months later, many properties remain untouched. They sit there in the pile of ash, pile of debris, and it's been um, just extremely frustrating to see. Denise O'Connor posted this photo of what used to be her home on social media. 
writing, it still looks like this, except the weeds are bigger. If you say you're going to help, help. What's going on? O'Connor says the Lytton First Nation has seen some progress and there has been some movement on clearing municipal and uninsured properties thanks to an additional $18.4 million in funding from the province announced in early March. So we're doing our bit in terms of the province. What I am concerned about is when I hear uh, reports from homeowners who have insurance and that the insurance companies are not prepared at this point to remove debris. And uh, uh, I, I don't think that's acceptable. According to the Insurance Bureau of Canada, insured properties are more complex and they're being addressed lot by lot. Some of the current challenges relate to archeological permitting and costing. The village of Lytton is unique in that it's a known archaeological area of interest, with artifacts dating back more than 10,000 years. Identifying and preserving them requires a careful process of sifting through all of the soil, something that falls outside the scope of an insurance policy. So we're working with the government officials to get them the information that they need so we can get the costing in place to make sure homeowners are not going to be on the hook for these costs so we can be moving forward. But at this point, there are no timelines in place. It's springtime, people are ready to go, and there just seems to be one barrier after another. And so residents continue to wait 10 months and counting, surrounded by a constant reminder of one of the most traumatic days of their lives. Kylie Stanton, Global News. And just ahead, creative solutions to the worker shortage. A lot of new restaurants opening, uh, not a lot of staff around. How the owner of this cafe is going above and beyond to attract employees and keep them happy. And escape from Mariupol in a refuge meant to last only days that stretched into several weeks. Taking a look here at the Alex Fraser Bridge, which is in great shape, but... Highway 17 eastbound, it is backed up to just underneath the bridge here and it goes all the way to uh, 103A. There is an accident that has uh, the right lane blocked. It is down to one lane once people get up to there. They do have crews on scene just waiting for a tow truck to arrive. We'll have more updates for you as they come in. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at BCAA.com. In Global One, it's Jeremy Tubbs. Ten weeks into Russia's war on Ukraine, the mayor of Mariupol says as many as 20,000 residents may have been killed. Many who survived the shelling have been holed up below the Azovstal steel plant and only just got the chance to escape. Global's Reggie Cicchini has more. This is a rare scene in some of the most battered regions of Ukraine. Evacuation buses and Red Cross vehicles taking people out of harm's way. We thought it's only for two or three days. We've been here since February 24th, says this woman, one of possibly more than a thousand civilians hunkered down in the maze of tunnels below the Azovstal steel plant, where this soldier says bombs are being dropped all day long. On Sunday, dozens were taken to relative safety, with their city of Mariupol now a wasteland. Fighting tears, this woman says her house is gone. The West continues to make good on weapons promises. The American House Speaker visiting Kyiv on Sunday before traveling to Poland on Monday on a thank you visit to a NATO ally. This is very important. I can say even this is crucial. 
The U.S. is promising tens of billions of dollars in aid to Ukraine as European countries figure out a way to punish Russia by targeting its energy sector. Time is helpful, um, but I think other countries have bigger problems. It's not unanimous, with alternate sources not firmly in place across Europe. But Russia has balked at Western threats, carrying on with attacks and outrageous claims. Its foreign minister asked how Russia can claim to be fighting Nazis in Ukraine when the country's leader is Jewish. Lavrov claimed religion is meaningless and that Adolf Hitler had Jewish blood. The comments were immediately condemned. And while there is an ultra-nationalistic branch of Ukraine's military, President Volodymyr Zelensky says any radical actions are monitored and addressed as his country pushes for its freedom. And while it is outnumbered in manpower, it's chock full of resistance. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington. Millions of uh, Muslims in B.C. and around the world are marking an important Islamic holiday. The Majid al-Salam and Education Center in Burnaby is among the many venues hosting prayer events for Eid al-Fitr, marking the end of the holy fasting month of Ramadan. The three-day festival is regarded as a time to celebrate with Muslims gathering friends and family to show gratitude toward God following the previous month of reflection. It is a very successful year this year because the last two, the last two years there was absolutely nothing happening and people are very excited after two years that they are gathering, such a big gathering to celebrate this day. The holiday also serves as a reminder for Muslims to be grateful for what they have and to share with those who might be less fortunate. Burnaby Hospital is one step closer to paying for its first major redevelopment in four decades, thanks to one of B.C.'s most generous philanthropists. The project is receiving a big boost from B.C. business icon Jim Pattison. Starting today, he'll be matching all donations to the project up to $5 million. The funds will go towards phase one of the plan, the focus is on upgrading the hospital's emergency, surgery, maternity, maternity and mental health services. To recognize Pattison's large gift, the surgery center is being named after him. They upgraded Burnaby Hospital, the much better position to address the current and future needs, ensuring that our city is healthy and vibrant for years to come. On behalf of the city of Burnaby, I'd just like to thank Mr. Pattison, Jim, for his generous donation here today. The fundraising goal for phase one of the redevelopment plan is $30 million. Right now, it sits at just over $23 million. Also in Health Matters tonight, it's Skin Cancer Awareness Month, and a Kelowna doctor is offering some sun safety tips. Global Sydney Morton has more on the many risk factors that can cause the disease. I'm just going to have a look at this lesion. What started as a cold sore almost a year ago has grown into something much worse on Kalman Sale's lip. This thing on my lip never thought a cold sore would become a cancer. This is the second time that Zell has had a run-in with skin cancer. The roughness on my nose has started off with sun damage. I never thought it was cancer or a possibility of cancer. May is Skin Cancer Awareness Month, and Dr. Ben Weiss in Kelowna is warning that more and more people are having a similar experience to Zale. 
The concerning part is that um, it seems like definitely skin cancer is on the rise and more and more people are struggling with it. The most important message is that skin cancer is preventable and everyone has a different susceptibility to the disease. If you have fair skin, are in the sun regularly, or have a family history, you have to be vigilant with proper sun coverage, like wearing a hat or covering up, and wearing the right amount of sunscreen. And it also depends on how many moles you have. Specifically, if you have more than 50 moles, that is one of the most important risk factors for developing melanoma. Um, and then with that, your skin type. Um, younger um, patients, typically between the age of 15 and 30, um, they're at actually very high risk of developing skin cancer, mostly typically due to our behaviors. We're making use of artificial tanning um, devices, um, tanning beds. Unfortunately, that significantly increases our risk for skin cancer. But also those are typically the times in our lives where we just love being outdoors and does not prefer to use any form of protection. If you have a concern, be sure to consult a physician as soon as possible. Sydney Morton, there, Global right? News. And coming up, an Okanagan company making waves. It's always calling me back out onto the water. Why, you'll probably see a lot more Kingfisher boats on the water this summer coming up. And in sports, Boudreaux builds on success. What the Canucks coach says about the team's chances next season. Attention. Need the latest info on budgeting, personal finances, taxes, affordability, or any other money issues in this pricey province? Then get informed. Andrua examines Consumer Matters on Global News. Well, the BC restaurant industry says it's in a crisis situation right now when it comes to hiring staff. And as Catherine Urquhart reports, that's forcing some businesses to get creative to attract and retain workers. Avocado toast or the egg penny? Sure. It's opening day at Isenta Cafe Bistro in West Vancouver. And they're busy. Morning, how are you? Unlike so many other restaurants that are desperate for employees, Isenta is fully staffed. The owner offered incentives, including bus passes and visa rewards points for full-time staff. Everyone's going to split the points so they can do a trip at the end of the year. So... That should be fun for everybody, and as long as they don't take off at the same time, I'm, I'm happy with that. Isanta so. e is a bit out of the way, located in the 4300 block of Marine Drive, where there used to be an old gas station. But Chef Pekka Tavella says the incentives were attractive. You know, I, I definitely plan on going to maybe Portland, hitting up some restaurants. Uh, I haven't done a lot of, lot of traveling since uh, for the last two years. Offering more than just a paycheck is becoming much more common, according to BC's Restaurant and Food Services Association. We're also seeing now employers looking at benefits, which is another good thing. And we're also looking at you know, ways of you know, uh, work-life balance. Finding workers and keeping them is an issue that goes far beyond the restaurant industry. $20 even, please. He said his owner plans to do more for his staff. I want to um, get people invested in the, into the company and make it their own, so I want to do a profit sharing as well. Employee satisfaction, clearly vital for anyone hoping to hire and retain staff in today's job market. 13.40, please. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
Pretty good gig as a meteorologist right here at Global BC. Christy's got it, and it looks like a little bit of sunshine in behind you there, Christy. Yeah, and it certainly brightened up towards the end of the day, but it was a tough start to the day. It's a hard Monday when it's so gray out there. Uh, we don't have a great week in store for us in terms of rainfall. And May really is continuing on uh, as we saw throughout the month of April. Here's a quick look at some of the numbers. We finally have the official tallies from April. Yes, it was below average, but we didn't have any real records. Uh, other than Nanaimo was the wettest uh, n- um, April on record with 245%. But there you go. V- Victoria's seventh coldest on record Kelowna 11th Vancouver 28th which seems so far away but uh, from breaking a record but when you think about a good degree and a half below average is significant and look at Chetwin third below a third ranking at 3.9 degrees below average Uh, today was no different we were good two three degrees below average but that was not the case in through the interior in fact the interior you can expect temperatures to soar once again tomorrow so low 20s for you but it's not going to last long as we head into our Mother's Day week and another pool of cold air is going to shift in across the region, unfortunately. So from 20-degree weather back down to 14 degrees, so well below seasonal for this time of year. And there's a look at your forecast for tomorrow. So very wet along the coastal regions. For our area, we'll start off dry, drizzly conditions expected, but we are expecting showers by the afternoon. So there's the moisture for the coastal regions. So enjoying the interior, one of the lucky ones to actually get some warmth and sunshine. Meanwhile, for us, Below average once again with a high of only 14 degrees and we're not expecting to warm up much at all in the coming days. A wet week in store for us, so plan some indoor activities for all the mothers out there. Oh, I forgot weather window, pardon me. Here's tonight's Central Windows weather window, which comes to you from Fraser Canyon. Thank you to Adam Ledoux for that. Great shot. All right, guys, back to you. Beautiful shot in the Fraser Canyon. Great, thanks for that, Christy, and thanks, Adam, for the photo. The family of Nova Scotia Jeopardy champ Mattia Roach says they're not only proud of the way she's dominating on the game show, but also proud she took on the challenge in the first place. Roach's mother describes the 23-year-old as a very private person who thought long and hard before signing up for the show. For the past 19 weeknights, millions have tuned in as she's won game after game. She's now the most successful Canadian to ever compete on Jeopardy and is tied at sixth place for the longest streak in the show's history. Her younger brother says while her stats are impressive, what's even more incredible is Mattia's ability to put herself out there. I think that she is an incredible role model for young queer people, for young women, and just young people in general who are traditionally left out or not included in intellectual spaces. So I think that's really incredible that she can do that. This could be Mateo's won more than $460,000 so far. She's back at it tonight, trying for a 20th straight win. And for more on our interview with Mateo's family, just head to globalnews.ca slash Halifax. All right, we'll bring in Squire now and a look ahead to what's coming up in sports. Big interview today with Bruce Boudreau. Bruce, there it is. What did he say? <laughs> well, he doesn't have a deal yet from Canucks management, but he would like one from Vancouver. Listen, I told Patrick uh, and Jim that I wanted to coach here next year. And I'm quite sure they're going to make that happen. And that should make fans happy and most of all the players happy as well because a lot of the players really like having Bruce as their head coach. You can understand why. All right, thanks, Squire. Also tonight, riding a wave of success, the North Okanagan boat builder 
struggling to keep up with demand. There's no shortage of hope in the Canucks camp. Hope, it was hope for the playoffs. Now it's hope for next season. You know, I can't really remember a season where the Canucks missed the playoffs, yet everybody feels so optimistic Mm -hmm. about the team. And that's despite missing for the sixth time in the last seven years. Fans were very fired up by the turnaround after Bruce Boudreau took over as head coach in early December. And even though it's not official yet, Boudreau feels pretty sure that he'll get a new contract for next season from the Vancouver Canucks. Um, we're just talking right now, and uh, uh, I'm sure uh, hopefully things, things get done, but I think, that's, uh, I think they want me back, and I, think I, wanna, I know I want to be back, so I think it should work out. Okay, he doesn't look as happy in that photo, but he's all happy on the inside. Uh, no one really knew what to expect when Bruce Boudreaux arrived to take over from uh, Travis Green. But when he started, he started with a seven-game win streak. And at that point, everybody bought in, most importantly the players. It's like Boudreaux chased away the black cloud that was hanging over Rogers Arena. And he got the players to believe in themselves again, which is something he has been doing with various NHL teams over the years. There are only 31 people who have coached at least 1,000 games in the NHL. Of those coaches, only Scotty Bowman has a higher winning percentage than Bruce Boudreaux's 635. In Boudreaux's 15 seasons of coaching, he's never had a losing record. But even a coach with this level of success can have self-doubt. It's funny because when I, when I left Minnesota, it was really a, a bad taste in my mouth. And um, when you're a year out and you interview for a couple jobs in the summer and you don't get them, you, you just wonder, like, the people think uh, the time has passed. And then coming back and having that kind of record and, um, and having the team play the way they did in a lot of different areas uh, positively, it makes you believe that when you go home that uh, you did well. One of the players who benefited most from Boudreaux's coaching was Elias Pettersson. He went from averaging just under half a point per game under Travis Green to just over a point per game with Boudreaux. So how did he get Pettersson to basically double his production? Well, it's a simple message. I kept telling him, you're a great player. And you just do things that come natural to you. I mean, we will take care of the rest, but we wanted him to feel comfortable and put him in a position to feel comfortable and put him in a position to succeed. And once he started getting into those positions and succeeding, his confidence level grew up and grew, and you could see how good a, a player he was. Special teams dramatically improved under Boudreaux as well. The Canucks had the second best power play during his time, and the penalty kill went from being the worst in the league to 11th best by using some of his star players in shorthanded situations. These guys are good offensive players that can read plays, and 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 uh, uh, so I always thought that they could they could do it. And and if they feel confident and they're doing good at it, then the rest of their game is going to be good as well. 
In the 57 games with Boudreaux as coach, the Canucks have the 11th best win percentage, which translates into plenty of optimism for next season. Youth of this team is uh, is so uh, so good. If you look at all the great teams, I mean, look at Tampa for instance. They got the best goalie, they had the best defenseman, and they had some of the best forwards. You look at the Vancouver Canucks. They got a great goalie. They got one of the best defensemen. They got. Um, three great centermen. Not too many teams have that. And, I mean, with a couple little tweaks here and there, I think this team can be very, very dangerous next year. Is this the year Toronto gets out of the first round? We haven't seen it in about, I don't know, 18 years. They're taking on the defending champs, two-time defending champs, Tampa Bay Lightning. But game one is going good for Toronto. Two-man advantage for the Leafs. There's Austin Matthews. There's the red light. There's a 2-0 lead. And then shorthanded, Toronto scores... Again, Hedman struggling at the blue line. David Kampf is away. 4-0 in the third period. Looks like the Leafs are going to go up 1-0 in this series. There is only one first-round playoff series still going on in the Western Hockey League. It continues tonight when Everett visits the Giants for Game 6 at the Langley Event Center. With Vancouver up surprisingly 3-2 in this series. Now Everett had 47 more points than the Giants during the regular season. And here's something to add to that. Vancouver finished the season winning over one of its final 12 games. So it's not like the Giants came into the playoffs on a roll, but the Vancouver Giants are now one win away from becoming the first eight-seeded team in WHL history to beat a number one seed in the first round. Well, I, I think it would mean a lot. Obviously, I, I think the biggest thing would be to do it here in, in front of our fans. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot of success in this building during the regular season, so we kind of feel like we owe it to them. The Arizona Cardinals won't have DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games of the coming season. He's been suspended for performance-enhancing drugs. And even though the Cards traded for receiver Hollywood Brown at the draft, without Hopkins, their offense will not be as potent as it should be since acquiring him, Arizona usually loses when Hopkins can't play. There you go. All done. We're out. Thanks very much, Squire. Just ahead, the Vernon Boat Builder floating to the top. That's next. Attention. Need the latest info on budgeting, personal finances, taxes, affordability, or any other money issues in this pricey province? Then get informed. Andrua examines Consumer Matters on Global News. Just before we go boating, Jordan Armstrong's here with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. Jordan? Chris, tonight we'll have details on Vancouver's third homicide of the year. It happened in Mount Pleasant yesterday. A woman in her 50s was found in an apartment building overnight suffering from stab wounds and could not be saved. Tonight we'll tell you what we know about the suspect now behind bars. Also, we'll hear from a woman who was the victim of a random attack in Vancouver. This, of course, following another weekend of unprovoked violence in the city. These stories and more tonight on Global News at 11. Chris. All right, Jordan, we'll see you then. Thank you. Well, if the past two summers have been any indication, it's going to be very busy out on the water this year. The pandemic has boosted demand for boats here and right across the country. And now a B.C. boat maker is planning to capitalize on that trend. Global's Megan Turcato has more. Kingfisher boats will soon have a lot more space to weld. The Vernon boat manufacturer is nearly finished construction on two new buildings that will add around 20,000 square feet to its North Okanagan facility. 
Well, we're building anywhere between five and 600 boats a year. And uh, this will bring an additional 20% capacity to our footprint here. The expansion comes after the pandemic boosted consumer demand for boats. People need to recreate for sure, and, and there's less international travel now, so people are staying home and taking advantage of, uh, of where they live. The National Marine Manufacturers Association Canada says new boat sales in this country have grown during the pandemic. 2021 numbers shows us that we were up 15% in sales over 2020, and then the cumulative growth since COVID hit is 20%. So it's been quite significant. The industry group says boat manufacturing around North America is expanding as companies try to meet the increased demand, but some boat builders have been limited by the availability of parts. If we could get this supply chain hiccup, a big hiccup out of out of this, we could, you know, really make a, a lot more Canadians happy to get their first boat out there. Back in Vernon, Kingfisher is planning to use its expanded production space to focus on building offshore fishing boats. The demand there is very strong. To increase production, the company expects to hire around 25 new staff members, with the new manufacturing facilities scheduled to be operational by the end of the year. Megan Turcato, Global News, Vernon. Ideally, it could be a little bit warmer out on the water, so we'll, we'll wait for that change coming mm -hmm. this summer. Um, yeah, a little bit below normal mm -hmm. and maybe staying that way for a little while, it sounds like, Christy. That's what it looks like, at least for the next week, Chris. I, I, the long range is showing a glimpse of potentially a warm-up, but keep in mind now we don't want a drastic warm-up because of the snowmelt and the freshet, right? We want it mm -hmm. to just slowly warm up. But uh, over the next week, we are certainly looking at below seasonal values here across the south coast. It'll be warm, though, for those of you in the interior, so enjoy. We're all jealous of those 20 degrees that you'll be enjoying tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right, uh, good luck to the Abbey Canucks. Thanks for watching tonight, and uh, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Have a good night. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. <laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.